Chapter 7. Seeing Ellis. Tuesday, December 6th, 2005. Calvin glanced at his watch. 4.33. Normally he could leave the office by 4, so he knew he'd better call Lisa to let her know there would be an empty seat for dinner tonight. He felt like it was going to be another very long evening, but all he wanted to do was go home, crawl into bed, and sleep. The emotional turmoil of the previous week already had taken a toll. The more he tried to think about it and make sense of it all, the more it drained his energy. He did his best to keep it on the back burner and even pretend that it wasn't really happening, just like he'd done with spiritual events his entire life. Maybe the commercial shoot and meeting Elizabeth, the strange visions and the facts were all just pieces of a strange and sustained reality, a series of events explainable by coincidence and science, if only he was alert enough to think clearly. He halfway wondered if he had fallen asleep while watching TV in bed and somehow created an entirely parallel stream of consciousness based on something he saw. He wondered if he was going insane, and that scared him. The lack of support from Lisa certainly wasn't helping his emotional state. Calvin felt that this new spiritual stress, combined with all the stress that was just typical in his day-to-day -day job, was too much. He thought for just a moment that it might be wise to pursue some counseling. That would sure freak Lisa out, he thought. He couldn't really imagine going home and telling her that he thought he needed to see a counselor. He didn't even want to see the look in her eyes. He knew her well. It would be a look of worry, of judgment. He knew that his boss had gone to counseling for a while to deal with work stress and a failing marriage. He thought maybe he'd ask for a name and just keep it to himself. With that, he affirmed himself that when he got the chance, he would ask Casey, his boss, for the name of a counselor and see if he could arrange the appointments to occur during the lunch hour. Then maybe an impartial third party could tell him if he was losing his mind or not. The brief conversation with himself made him feel just a little better. Somehow slightly more energized and ready to face what may come in the evening stretching before him. He didn't feel quite so tired or crazy just by considering the possibility of a counselor. After all, crazy people don't take themselves to counseling, so he figured he must still have a logical mind. He picked up the phone to call Lisa since another 10 minutes had slipped by since he first thought to call her. He braced himself for the argument against being late again. He never knew how Lisa was going to answer the phone these days. It was completely dependent on her day at work and how well the children were playing together. The phone only rang twice before Lisa answered with a frazzled, Hello? Hey, I'm not going to make it for dinner tonight. We have a commercial shoot downtown and it doesn't start until 6. By the time I make it home, I'd have to turn around and drive right back to the shoot. He spoke quickly so he could get it all out in one big sentence so that Lisa wouldn't interrupt him with a complaint before he had given his full excuse. <sighs> Lisa let out an exasperated sigh. Well, Cal, it would have been nice if you could have picked up the phone to call me before you were supposed to be home already. Lisa's voice cracked as she spoke. Is it really that hard to pick up the damn phone when it's sitting six inches from your hand to call me before I have dinner out and dished up? You don't seem to realize that I work so hard to make a nice meal and create a lovely family dinner atmosphere, and when you do this to me, you basically dismiss all my efforts. I don't know why I even bother cooking anymore. I give up. Sorry. I didn't know they had to call you by a certain time. It was a busy, hard day for me too, Lisa. At least I called. Calvin, don't get all pissy with me. You don't know what it's like. 
She composed herself and on the verge of tears quietly said, Do you even realize how much I anticipate you coming home? Stop smothering me, please. I'm your husband, not your kid. There isn't a time when I even have to be home. I don't have a curfew. I have to work late, so give me a break. I just wanted to call you and let you know, not get lectured about it. You know, Calvin, Lisa said through tears, you're doing it again, just like you have with every other job you've had since we've been married. You have no balance in your life anymore. Your work is consuming you. You lack common courtesy for me. All you care about is your commercials. What about me? What about my sanity, my work day? Do you even care about that? I'm telling you how crappy I've been feeling for months now, and it takes some dead woman to talk to you to open up a part of you that I can't even get to. Good luck tonight. I guess I'll see you when I see you. He heard a muffled goodbye as Lisa quickly hung up the phone, not giving him time to respond to her tirade. His face flushed in anger. He thought she was completely overreacting yet again. God, I'm living with my mother. He closed his laptop and turned the back of his chair toward where his jacket hung. As he glanced up toward the door, he saw the outline of a figure looming, floating. It was just from the corner of his eye, but definitely a woman with long brown hair. His adrenaline soared and he whipped his head in her direction to get a closer look, but she was gone. Even though it was quick, he could tell the figure was a human form, though completely iridescent. Ellis? With adrenaline still pumping, he could feel the fear and excitement all at once. She disappeared almost as soon as he noticed her. He blinked several times, hoping to will her back into the room. It was so fast. Her form was noticeable out of the corner of his eye, but when he stopped to focus on it to really look, she disappeared. He knew that people quickly discount or write off visions like this, attributing them to a fallacy of the mind. It is human nature to always doubt. He doubted visions like this his whole life, but now it felt different. In the past, he would have attributed this to an overactive imagination but combined with the events of meeting Elizabeth and receiving the facts, he now felt open to this being a glimpse into something deeper than the here and now. What was once such a resolute wall toward anything other than the current life, he was now heading on the path of becoming less skeptical about the existence of life after death. He reached for his jacket yet again and headed out of the office to go to the shoot. It was a short distance through downtown, so Calvin walked, hoping the cool, crisp air would clear his mind. He headed down the familiar stairwell, and tonight he could have sworn that he heard laughter coming from somewhere behind those concrete walls. He smiled as he pushed open the door and was greeted with the autumn evening. The air was a cool and refreshing change from the stuffiness he'd felt in his office. The shoot location, only ten minutes away on foot, was inside an old power generation building that had been renovated into offices, a restaurant, and a bar. He expected everything to go fairly smoothly tonight since the script was simple and the actors were experienced. The building fascinated him. The film production company he worked with had their offices here as well, and the owner had told him a few ghost stories. Oddly enough, the more he paid attention and didn't discount other stories as moronic, the more he realized that people all around him had seen, heard, or felt things before, too. He had always just assumed that they were wrong or not educated enough to know the truth. When he arrived, the production people already had the lighting set up. There were only two actors, and they were both ready when he walked in. This is how he liked it to be done. All Calvin had to do was direct the actors on how to speak their lines and not have to worry about lighting and other details. The bar in the basement of the building had a Gonzaga Bulldogs basketball game on, 
and he wanted to monitor that as he simultaneously kept tabs on the shoot. The shoot did indeed go as smoothly as he'd hoped, and when they finished, the game was in its final minutes. Not being in a hurry to go home after the argument with Lisa, Calvin headed down to the bar to watch the rest of the game. He knew the kids would already be in their bedtime routine, and even if he went home now, he was going to miss seeing them awake anyway. A couple of others from the shoot joined him, and they found seats up at the counter within view of the screen to watch the game. He cheered as the Bulldogs scored another two points, picked up a beer, and took a deep swig. Out of the corner of his eye, to his left and back in the corner of the bar, he was surprised to see a pretty blonde. He instinctively did a double take. His eyes met Elizabeth's, who sat with a group of women. She smiled at him, and he nodded in acknowledgement and recognition. He couldn't believe it, and his heart beat faster with excitement as he looked at her. Hey, guys, I saw a friend over there. I'm going to go see her. See you later, he said as he started to make his way toward her. Elizabeth, I can't believe it. How's it going? He asked as he approached. She quickly moved some things over on the table and motioned to an empty chair. So nice to see you, Calvin. What a surprise. These are some friends of mine, Cindy, Veronica, and Georgia. We're just out having some girl time away from our husbands. Girls, this is my friend, Calvin. They exchanged hellos and handshakes as he settled down next to Elizabeth. The other girls resumed their conversation, which created a nice distraction for Elizabeth and Calvin to talk relatively unnoticed. At one point, they found themselves not even talking, just looking into each other's eyes. That's when she said it. You saw her, didn't you? Calvin was surprised, but not shocked as he nodded, smiled, and answered, Yeah, I did. How'd you know that? I just do. Where'd you see her? Tell me about it, she said, almost demanding, but in the sweetest way he could imagine. She leaned forward, put her elbows on the table, and her hands under her chin, like what he was about to say was her only interest in the world. Well, I was in my office, going to reach for my coat to come here for a shoot, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw the form of a woman. Elizabeth nodded in understanding. I had a feeling that it wouldn't be long before you'd be able to see things. You are progressing quickly. You must have a unique office. Not a lot of disruption to the energy flow? He took this as a question as to whether she could see his office or not. Answering her before she had a chance to fully ask, Hey, I could show you my office if you want. Elizabeth didn't need any time to think about it. She turned to her friends and said, Ladies, I'm going to head out with Calvin. I'll see you later, okay? She gave the women hugs and turned to walk out the door. The walk to the office was quick, and they spoke very little along the way. Calvin's heart raced as he realized he was going to be alone in his office with the woman from the chute. The feeling was a little odd, as they hadn't known each other for very long, but he could feel that there was already an attraction developing. There was an intense connection that was almost too strange to be believable. Elizabeth paused as they made their way up the back stairwell. Standing about a third of the way up the first staircase, she looked at something. She smiled and glanced over to Calvin. Can you see her? She whispered. Calvin looked in front of him first, then behind. See who? The woman who just passed us, Elizabeth said, giggling. She was dressed like a flapper and drunk out of her mind. She was laughing and stumbling down the stairs. She turned to him, quite delighted, and said, Does this stairwell ever feel strange to you? Once again, he was amazed by this unbelievable and intoxicating woman. Maybe there was something to the laughter he heard after all. He'd heard stories that the building used to house a basement speakeasy in the 1920s. The laughter he'd heard is probably the drunken laughter of some of the old customers who frequented here in their lifetime. Wow, just tonight, in fact, I came down here and thought that I heard laughing. Calvin, you really need to learn to just stop and feel things. Trust your intuition. 
you'll find it's usually right. You just have to stop questioning yourself long enough to let go of any preconceived notions you've built up. You'll learn. You still have a long way to go, but you'll learn. He chose not to ask for details on that comment, as they had only a short distance left to climb. Turning left at the top of the stairwell, they faced the entrance to his darkened office. He reached into his pocket and pulled out the door key. This is it, he said as he unlocked the door and swung it open. Elizabeth followed him inside the lobby. The office suite was quiet and dark, except for the soft glow from the office Christmas tree that they'd put up shortly after Thanksgiving. Neither of them reached for the light switch, knowing that turning on the overhead fluorescence would kill the moment. Instead, they just stood there in silence and felt the energy around them while appreciating the quiet. Calvin walked in the dark toward the open door of his corner office, and Elizabeth followed with smooth, gliding steps and a knowing smirk on her face. This is where I saw her, he said, gesturing toward the doorway and off to the right side of his desk. Elizabeth nodded as she glanced around and said in a near whisper, you really have the perfect place to sit and just let them come to you. Just try to keep the lights off and don't look for them. When you see something out of the corner of your eye, try to resist looking directly at it or it'll disappear. He felt lost. This was also incredibly foreign to him. He glanced down at his watch and saw that it was already past 10 o'clock and he knew that he had better be getting home. He looked back toward the Christmas tree and then couldn't look away. Elizabeth stared at it too and he knew she saw the same things he did. Dark shadows passed in front of the individual lights on the tree, temporarily blocking their light and creating an eerie twinkling effect. He uttered a wow. See, cow? Elizabeth said in a whisper, they are here, always here always around you, always watching. Do you feel the cold? Where, he asked. Just put out your hands and feel. You'll feel cold patches, said Elizabeth. He extended his hands out in front of him, slowly moving them from right to left, then right again. Elizabeth gently placed a hand on his and guided him. His pulse quickened at her touch. Right here. I feel it, he said. Yes. That's them, replied Elizabeth with a quiet excitement. They stood there, silent, her hands still wrapped around his and their eyes locking. Her scent permeated his soul and he felt an incredible peace. And then guilt. He nervously glanced away for a moment toward the door and gasped, Elizabeth, look at my door, he said, noticing the glass panes beginning to fog up. She let out a soft chuckle and leaned in close to him, their shoulders now touching. She whispered into his ear, you noticed. That's another sign. That's the kind of thing you need to be open to and watch for, isn't it? Magical? Subtle, yes, but magical when your eyes are open to it. It's amazing, he said, his voice drifting as he lost himself in the flickering of the lights in the fogged window. The fogged window. He snapped out of his incredible moment by the memory of the fogged window in his car in the night of Pitchfork Man. Elizabeth let go of his hand. I'm sure that this is going to take me some time to get used to. I'm really trying, Elizabeth, but I haven't had much time to digest or make sense of this whole thing. I need to get home to my wife. She's going to be worried. He walked toward the door and Elizabeth followed. I should get home to my husband, too. You're married, too? Yep. Five years. Seems like we have a lot in common. I know that this all seems so weird to you right now. But Calvin, you can't really imagine how wonderful it is for me to finally have someone who can see these things, who can do what I can do. In time, you'll understand more of your abilities and I can help you learn how to use them. 
She reached for his upper arm, slightly touching him to make him turn to look at her. She leaned into him again and softly said, Really, it is both a blessing and a curse, but I will help you understand in any way I can. After all, I've been doing this since I was three and looking for you for nearly as long. He nodded and looked at her with a confused look on his face and began to walk slowly toward the door. I just don't understand what it is that Ellis wants from us. Elizabeth replied, I don't either, Cal, but I have a feeling that it won't take us long to find out.